Well, today I'm excited about the message. This is something uh, that I have studied uh, many different times, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said that I want you to share on this topic uh, again. And I'm going to start in James 2.23 with a really amazing verse. Um, James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Wow. Imagine being called God's friend. And then, I hope you can recognize, we don't have to just imagine it. Because God does refer to us as his friend. He says in, to his disciples in the New Testament, we'll get, get to that verse in a little bit, that, that he doesn't call them servants, he calls them friends. And I want to talk about what is the difference between an acquaintance and a friend. And I would say that the difference is intimacy. Intimacy. Today, uh, we're going to do something I do every once in a while, but not very often, and that is uh, I'm going to do an acrostic. I'm going to take the word intimacy, and we're going to look at uh, a different aspect of intimacy for each of the letters. So if you'd like to take notes, or even if you kind of wonder about taking notes, today's a perfect day to do it. It'll be easy, all right? So you're going to get intimacy, write out the letters there, I-N-T-I-M-A-C-Y, and then we're going to hit a point for each one. And the first point for uh, cultivating intimacy in our relationship with God as well as our relationship with people. And that's one of the interesting things here is as we look at how we're designed to interact with God, God has caused that to apply within our relationships with others as well. So intimacy, the first one is interest. In order to have intimacy, there needs to be interest and it needs to go both ways. To give you an example, uh, I, I'd like you to imagine um, a junior high or a high school um, group of students and you have a kind of one kid who has a crush on that person and that person has a crush on someone else who has a crush on someone else who has a crush maybe on that, that first person, but it did not actually work. No one can have that relationship. I don't know if any of you remember uh, sitting in school longingly looking at somebody and having a, a, a school-type crush on someone, but they don't know who you are. They don't share interest in you. There are so many romantic comedies and sitcoms and stuff that, that play, poke fun at what it's like to, to be uh, enamored with someone who is not uh, interested in you in return. And in order to have true intimacy, we understand we need to have both parties mutually interested in each other. Psalms 42 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul for you, my God. We have the responsibility of longing and seeking that relationship with God. The good news is that God says, in Psalm 17, 8, he says, David says, keep me as the apple of your eye. You see, God says, you are the apple of his eye. So God is interested in you. We don't have, we, our relationship with God isn't like that school kid who's sitting there just longing 
for someone who, to notice them. God says, before the foundation of the earth, he knew you. And he sent Jesus to die for you. God has that interest. It's interesting that as Christians, we have that understanding of God. But most religions of the world don't see and understand that about God. When I lived in Mexico, there were pyramids there, giant pyramids, uh, reminiscent of those in Egypt, although they're not quite that large, but they're huge, hundreds of steps to get up. And I went and visited there and read about the history. And it was interesting that at certain times they would go up and they would perform human sacrifices on top of these pyramids. Why? Because they believed that maybe if they did those things, they would get God's attention. They were trying to get God's attention because they didn't believe that they had it. And they would do crazy things all the way to, to human sacrifices to try to get God's attention. I have good news for you. You have, already have God's attention. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to sacrifice. Uh, God says you are the apple of his eye. He made you in his image. He desires to know you and he desires for you to know him. Step one in intimacy is mutual interest. Next, N is newness. Newness. How many of you remember what it was like when you were a kid to wait for Christmas morning? I remember the excitement. I remember going to sleep. I remember waking up and knowing that, that there was going to be something new in my life that day. And I remember running downstairs and, and waking up my family and being all excited because there was something new. I also remember the feeling the day after Christmas or the day after my birthday or even the day after something special had happened. I remember waking up and remembering, and I distinctly have this memory, I remember waking up and knowing there is something new before I remembered what it was. It's like, ooh, I have, I have a new toy. I have a new something, and then trying to catch up with my sleepy head. What is it that I got? Oh, that's what it is. That newness is exciting. God says in, or the Bible says in Lamentations 3.22, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You say, what's the, what's the point? Why, why, what, what good is it to have a new relationship? Why are new relationships so exciting? You know, a lot of people understand how to function in a relationship when it's new, but after a while, it gets old, and then they are totally distracted. and They, they don't uh, uh, follow anymore. Well, I just, I, I'll never forget what happened to me when I was in Bible school. A friend of mine, his name's Sean. He may be watching today. And uh, he drove a flare-sided F-150 pickup truck. And that was his college car. And he had driven from Michigan all the way down to Oklahoma with that vehicle. And an F-150 isn't really good on gas mileage. And he decided he needed to get something else. And so he brought his car to the dealership and um, traded it in and got a smaller vehicle. Well, uh, <laughs> That said, I remember that 
he came back um, and then he realized, he lived in an apartment near us, he realized, oh, I forgot to get the plates from my, or maybe it was something else that he'd left there. I think it was the license plates though. And he went back to the dealership to get a hold of them and find out. And he shows up and he says, hey, I just traded in a car. And they said, oh, well, he said, well, where is it? And they said, oh, it'll be over here in our detailing shop. They're the ones that will clean up a car so that we can put it out on the, on the floor. And he went over there and got to the shop and said, you know, my car. And they said, well, it's not here. And then it took him a while to figure out what had happened. His car was so clean that at the dealership, when they went to wash it, they said, we can't find any dirt. We just sent it right out to the floor. He had kept that car for years in such pristine condition. And he always took good care of that vehicle. And it looked new. Contrast, I had another friend bought a brand new Taurus back in 1993, something like that. And within months, the back seat was full of, of fast food wrappers. The car just looked terrible, smelled terrible. Realize that when we treat something as new, then it remains bright, shiny, and good. We need to cultivate that newness, treat with gratitude. What, one of the things that causes us to treat something new is to be grateful for it. When we take something uh, for granted, then we cease to treat it as though it was new and we begin to treat it as though it has less value. And when we're dealing with our own relationships, as well as with God, we need to be conscientious of that. Be grateful for your children. Be grateful for your spouse. Be grateful for your parents. And as you treat them with gratefulness, then they in return will respond uh, to you in a more positive way. Point number three, T for intimacy. I-N-T is time. Uh, I'm putting in here, of course we need to spend time with others, um, but I wanna point out that we need to plan that time. You can measure intimacy with time. I remember, now my, my father's a pastor, and so growing up, when I needed to talk to the pastor of the church, it was pretty easy. I would just go talk to him. I, I had, uh, it was not hard for me to get time with my father because we had a close relationship. But I went off to Bible school and I remember being there and I needed to speak uh, to one of the pastors at the church that I was attending. And they didn't know me from Adam. And uh, I wanted to speak to a particular pastor. I wanted to... Uh, discuss something I can't remember at the moment what it was, but I remember going to the office, walking up and saying, hey, my name is Josh. I'd like to talk with, uh, his name was Billy Joe Watts, Pastor Billy Joe. And they responded, you're going to have to wait. And, you know, can I take your number? Maybe he'll call you back later. You need to make an appointment. And I was going to get an appointment and it was days from now and I knew my question was pretty short. If I remember right, I ended up leaving there. You'll just tell you how long ago it was. I went to a pay phone because I asked the secretary. I said, well, can I give him a call? And she said, well, you, yeah, you can call. I said, do you need an appointment to call? She said, no. So I left there. I went to a pay phone. I called and I asked my question and I got it done. Um, but it was interesting to compare my father with whom I have an intimate relationship 
I can just come. I can interrupt at any time. And it's easy. He, he makes time for me. When I didn't, to a person I didn't know, he says, hey, make an appointment. I'll, I'll catch you later. Jesus, the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, would take time. He would plan time. He would set time aside to be intimate with God the Father. If Jesus needed to do that, how much more do we need to do that? Um, in Psalm 63, uh, 1 through 7, David is talking. And let's just, just listen to the way that he talks. He says, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. There is that interest and desire we were talking about. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold, or beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as the richest of foods with singing in my lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Jesus got up in the morning. David talks about even at night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. In order to cultivate an intimate relationship, we have to be conscious of time. We need to give God time, and that means being open to interruptions, but it also means planning time for him. Jesus planned time to be with God. We should plan time to be with God. And we also need to be intentional about the time that we spend with the other people in our lives with whom we desire to have intimate relationships, our children, our spouses, our parents. Next letter is I, intimacy, I-N-T-I. And this stands for involvement, involvement. Uh, when I think of this, um, I think of family time. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever seen, experienced this, but I want you to picture it. I want you to picture a family who is trying to have some family time. And the parents come and they tell everybody, everybody come in, you know, put away your devices, put them down. The kids are like, oh man, and they put away their, their iPods or turn off their video game consoles. And then they all come and the parents say, we're going to have, you know, a family time. We're all going to be here together and we're going to play a board game or we're going to do something. And can you imagine if one of those kids says, fine, I would rather be out with my friends. I would rather be on my device. I would rather be somewhere else. But if you make me be here, I'll be here. And they cross their arms and they just sit. They're there. They're spending time. But they're not involved. And in order for intimacy to grow, there needs to be engagement, involvement. James chapter 4, 8, God says, Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. This is God's promise. He says, If you engage with me, I will engage with you. If you to the level that you get involved with me, I will will get involved with you. I made mention of this verse earlier, but let's look at John chapter 15, verse 15. It says, I no longer call you servants 
because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. God calls us his friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Again, God is talking about intimacy. He's talking about friendship. And he says the, the difference, a big difference is involvement. If I don't involve you, then you're just a servant. But because I involve you, because everything that God says to me, I say to you, then you're my friend. I am engaged. I am involved with you. That is so powerful and so important. Next, moments. Moments. Now, when I was looking for an illustration for this, I couldn't think of anything better to illustrate a powerful moment than the old Energizer commercials. When I was growing up, we used to have the Energizer bunny. And they still may have the Energizer bunny on some of their packaging. And I'm not sure if these, uh, these commercials still run, but let me describe what they used to have. The Energizer bunny was a stuffed bunny rabbit with a big old drum. And he had a battery on his back, and it was always clearly visible that it was an Energizer battery. And the concept was that it just keeps going and going and going. But they would put on these commercials, and a commercial would come on, and it wouldn't look like an Energizer commercial. It would be, you know, a man and a woman holding hands, walking through a park. There'd be romantic music. There would be a moment, and that couple would turn towards each other and you just knew the music the the lighting everything about it just screamed this this romantic moment and then all of a sudden through the center of the two of them would come bashing that bunny rabbit boom 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 and he'd spin around in a circle and he'd boom 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 and then the caption would say you know keeps going and going nothing stops the energizer bunny and that couple who were in that moment of intimacy are just watching and and the moment is crushed and i think about that we we gave the illustration a minute ago about the family that was trying to to uh force their teenager into participating i want you to imagine that same situation and imagine that that the parents said you need to give us an hour and he says fine i'll give you an hour and so 50 minutes come and go, and he's still unengaged. But just before the hour is over, suddenly the ice breaks, the walls come down, and they start talking, and they start having a, a meaningful, intimate conversation. In that moment, if the clock strikes and the hour finishes, and that teenager just drops it and jumps away and says, ha, I fulfilled my hour. I'm out of here. How many of you realize how hurtful that would be? We naturally would understand if you're having a moment like that, don't just drop it because the clock strikes. Value those moments. The Bible says in Psalms 46.10, it says, be still and know that I am God. We have those moments 
with God. Sometimes it's in prayer. Sometimes it's in worship. But I want to encourage you, if you are desiring to cultivate a relationship with God, add to the intimacy that you have with God. One of the things you need to be conscious of are those moments. Treasure those moments. Seek those moments. Cultivate those moments. And one of the ways that we get to cultivate those moments is our next point. Intimacy. The next letter is A for atmosphere. Atmosphere. One of the ways that we cultivate moments is an atmosphere. Now, the Bible tells us that when we pray, God hears us. The Bible tells us that no matter where we go, we are not out of his presence. He is in the high and the low and the deep and the far. He is there. But we still can cultivate an atmosphere. I, uh, I remember um, one of my roommates in, in college, um, great guy, pastors a church today. Um, he was in the ministry even then. And he had grown up with the television in his house was just always on. Like, I don't know if they even turned it off at night. Maybe they did. But it was just always on. Anytime I would visit there, there was always a TV screen going. Something was on. And, and I never will forget the day that he sat down to study, uh, to have devotions. And I don't know if he was just doing his personal devotions or if he was preparing a sermon. But he sits down. He turns on the TV to Jerry Springer, which is just a crazy uh, daytime talk show with craziness going on. And then he starts reading the Bible. And I just remember, how can, how can you have a moment with God when you're intentionally splitting your attention with something just so ridiculous? In 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, Whenever the Spirit uh, from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come on Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. The Bible talks about how Saul was tormented by a spiritual oppression, but David would take his instrument, and he would play, and that would cause the evil spirit to leave. There is power in ambience, in environment. Um, yeah. I want to encourage you, be intentional. Not always. You know, you can pray while you're driving down the road, no problem. You can pray uh, whatever you're doing. You can pray while you're doing the dishes. You can pray um, in the middle of a crowd, and God hears you. But there is still value in taking control of the atmosphere at times and purposely choose whether that means turning on praise and worship music and just playing something that you know um, will cause uh, you to calm down, to bring and focus all your attention on the Lord. Um, I believe that that scripture we just read in 1 Samuel 16 gives us an example of, of one of the powerful things that music does. The Bible says 
that that evil spirit would leave when David would play his harp. It doesn't say it would leave when David quoted scripture. It says even when just David, who was a, the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, played that music. I believe that music is powerful, music is spiritual, and that the spirit of the person, the, the, the musician, is transmitted in that music. When we find music by someone with a godly spirit and we play that music, that affects our atmosphere just like it did to Saul. You can, maybe you like silence, maybe you like nature, maybe you want to go out and walk down a path at a, your favorite park or a woods somewhere. But I encourage you, as you purpose to increase your intimacy with God, take control of the atmosphere. And as always, this applies to God and it applies to us. If we want to have better intimacy with our children, with our spouse, we need to, at least on occasion, take control of the atmosphere and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to put distractions aside. We're going to, to turn off devices or the TV or whatever it is that's distracting in your situation and say, all right, we're going to do something for each other. C, intimacy. The letter C is for commitment. Commitment. Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is talking here about how we can't put God first and money first. We have to prioritize. But it's a principle that applies across the board. We can't be fully committed to two things. We need to be committed. God has designed relationship to function best in commitment. Our society is wrong when they tell us that you can have the relationship you always wanted with zero commitment. It is a lie. And when we watch television and we watch sitcoms and we watch uh, the movies, you see these whirlwind romances that take place and there's no commitment and nobody's getting married and there's no long term. And they try to paint that as if that is the ultimate goal. I remember when I was in college, a lot of college stories today, um, and there was a particular couple um, at the college who seemed like a very normal, very ideal couple. They were always together. They were always doing that sort of thing. And then they... Um, <laughs> I, I was having a conversation with them and come to find out that he had told her that she could not utter the words marriage for 10 years. Like, yep, we're together, but we can't even consider marriage for 10 more years. And instantly I knew their relationship isn't anywhere near as good or as intimate as we originally thought. Why? Because if you are 
trying, if, if you're unwilling to commit, there is something missing. When you have a, a relationship that's an eight and you add commitment, that'll bring it to a nine. If your relationship's a three and you commit, it brings it up. Commitment. We were designed to function with commitment. God commits to us and we need to commit to him. Last is why. This is intimacy. Last letter is to yield. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Bible doesn't say Jesus is barging through the door, pushing his way in. The Bible describes God as being at the door, knocking, and waiting for you to open. James chapter 3, verse 17 says, Wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, and willing to yield. God is a gentleman. He is not going to force a close relationship on you. He created us. The Bible says that in, in, in Acts 17, it says that he created the entire world for the express purpose that we would reach out to having a relationship with him. That's the point. But it's not going to be forced. God is powerful. He's supernatural. But he is waiting for you to open that door. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 58, that speaking of Jesus, and he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. God was there. He desired to do many miracles, but they didn't believe. They didn't invite him to. And so it didn't happen. I want to encourage you. God desires to be your friend. He desires to have an intimate relationship with you. There is interest. He is interested in you. You can be interested in him. Newness. He will be new every day. Treat him, that relationship with, with thanksgiving, with gratefulness, and it will remain that, keep that feeling of newness. Time. God wants to spend time with you. Carve out time for him. Be intentional about allowing God to interrupt your day and finding time on purpose for him. Involvement. Be involved. Don't just sit back and expect God to do it all. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Moments. Take those moments. Value those moments. Treasure those moments. Don't stomp on them. Don't be like that teenager who just jumps up and walks away in the middle of an intimate moment. Atmosphere. Cultivate an atmosphere where you know that intimacy can grow, where, where you can spend time with God. Commitment. Be committed. God is committed to you. You commit to him. It will improve the relationship. And lastly, yield. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. I want to see you in a relationship with God, but the first step is to invite him in. He's at the door knocking. 
If that's you today and you want to invite him into your heart, I want to invite you to say this prayer, the one that was just described in Romans 10, 9, and 10. I'll just speak it out. You repeat after me. Say, Dear God, I believe you exist. I believe you sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die for my sin. He didn't deserve it. I did. But he took my sin, and then he rose from the dead. I choose to make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.